0: Good morning, everyone. It is the 16th of August. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne and Asim Kadri. It was a reasonable week for equity and bond markets, and Sterling continued to make ground against a weakening US dollar. But the main headline was bipartisan approval for the $1 trillion US infrastructure plan. Could you talk us through it, please, Alex?
1: Morning, Lorna. It was finally coming through in the Senate was the one trillion package. So the one trillion includes 550 billion in new additional spending, which over the course will apparently pay for itself, according to the Democrat legislation. Mostly, this is traditional infrastructure spending, so there's nothing too untoward in here. So, roads, bridges, electrics, water, broadband, those kind of things. So, there's nothing too argumentative in terms of the Republican mandate in there. What is the encouraging point, probably, is that it was something of a bipartisan deal. There was a small joint group of Democrats and Republicans that managed to bring the rest or minority of their party along with them in order to get this bill passed through the Senate.
0: And it is a huge number, but there is still a further three and a half trillion package under discussion.
1: There is, and this is probably the one that will meet more of a headway versus the Republicans. So this is more of the social infrastructure, as the Democrats have called it. And the Republicans have generally got an issue with this being called infrastructure, but it's essentially dealing in human capital. So it's education, childcare support for working families, those kind of things, but also there's some elements on climate change, things around EV and stuff like that as well. It's a much larger package, but it's a much more widespread and, and social initiative than the initial one. This will need bipartisan support. It will more than likely need the corporate tax hikes, which have been mooted by the Democrats, which clearly the Republicans are staunchly opposed to, given the increased taxes and the expectation of increased inflation. This would add to them. They're trying to get us through something called budget reconciliation, which will attempt to bypass the normal 60 requirement for the Senate passing the bill. But as I mentioned before, it's, it'll be difficult, a more difficult one to pass, just given the underlying elements on not as traditional infrastructure and those concerns from Republicans as well.
0: Nonetheless, a huge boost to the US economy. Very different picture emerging in China at the moment, Asim, We've had this regulatory clampdown, which seems to be part of a broader package. I wonder if you could update us there.
2: No, no, no. Yeah, so last week, China released a five-year blueprint calling for greater regulation for large parts of the economy. So that included sectors like technology and healthcare. And really, this is the latest push from the Communist Party to assert their power over the country. The document, which was released late on Wednesday, said that authorities would actively work on legislation in areas, including national security, technology, and monopolies, in order to build a regulatory environment that would meet people's ever-growing needs for a good life, as they put it. So the government really appeared to use the release to provide direction on the breadth of its regulatory overhaul. Although I would say that the document didn't provide a really kind of specific list of instructions or measures. So it's hard to draw too much insight about enforcement and what the potential shape of a crackdown will look like. However, I think all in all, it's pretty clear that regulatory crackdowns will continue and the scrutiny on companies in certain industries like internet and technology will undoubtedly persist for a while.
0: Yes, we await further developments there. But in the meantime, on the macro front, there have been some quite interesting numbers on CPI and PPI inflation, Alex.
1: That's right. After an unparalleled period of long, low inflation, we're going through somewhat higher inflation. So in, in the US, we had CPI that was in at 0.5% month on month. So this is deceleration from previous months, 09 So it somewhat goes into that transitory rhetoric that obviously we keep hearing bannered about the PPI came in at 1% for the second consecutive month. So we're still at higher levels, but they're coming down from those kind of peaks. They were but clearly still very high levels altogether. In Germany, we had 3.8% year on year print, which was in line with expectation, but clearly well ahead of the ECB's 2% target. But again, we now enter this period where we'll see whether this is a temporary hike or whether this is something which will be more sustained. Within Europe, it's somewhat of a minority. So rising inflation in Europe is clearly widespread as we we've had as a concern in the US. We will get the number later on in the week, however, for the EU to see how widespread that's becoming. But mostly you can point us towards the recovery of the economy and the low base effects from last year.
0: Yes, indeed. But we also had a pretty stunning number for Japanese producer price inflation. What would explain that?
1: So again, like Jimmy, this is something of a record. So this is the quickest annual rate for 13 years. So again, a very long period of time we've been waiting for this. Japan, like a lot of other countries, suffers from the fact that it imports almost everything, especially on the commodities, input prices, energy. So clearly we've had a massive height in those prices. So Japan has suffered exponentially more than other developed counterparts around the world because it imports almost all of that.
0: That's very helpful, thank you. Looking at the responsible investing front, Asim, we've had a report by the UN's intergovernmental panel on climate change. What were the main headlines?
2: Yes, there were some pretty stark warnings in the report, which was the first major review of the science of climate change since 2013. So the upshot was that human activity is changing the Earth's climate in unprecedented ways, with some of the changes now inevitable and irreversible. So within the next two decades, the world is likely to temporarily reach 1.5 degrees of warming, thus breaching the ambition of the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement and bringing widespread devastation and extreme weather. And according to the report, only rapid and drastic reductions in greenhouse gases in this decade can prevent such climate breakdown with every fraction of a degree of further heating likely to compound the accelerating effects. So some really strong and kind of startling headlines and projections that are clearer than ever and really impossible to ignore.
0: We'll see how world's governments deal with that at the COP26 meeting in a couple of months' time. But in the short term, in the week ahead, we have the FOMC minutes from the US Federal Reserve. You could get more detail there on discussions after last month's announcement that the economy has made progress, which was a slight change in rhetoric. Any thoughts there, Alex?
1: I mean, the market expectation is fairly clear there. So we expect that the central Bank will announce similar kind of comments around the economy being stronger. But the market expectation is fairly clear. We're looking at a September hint at tapering before a December announcement officially that it will begin and that it will begin the action in early 2022. So likely to reiterate the hints of a hint towards this. But as I mentioned, given the market expectation of this, I don't expect a huge amount of market reaction from it.
0: Nothing market movement. Anything on the macro data front?
1: Well, it's it's a bit of a busier week than we've had in previous, just given the August holidays. The interesting thing is week will be that there's a few more real data points. So we have industrial production, housing starts, and retail sales from a range of different economies around the world. So what they'll give is a good sense of what's happening in the underlying economy. So unlike surveys and inflation prints and things like that, where you've got to try and understand what's actually going on, they give quite a clear point towards what's actually happening in the underlying economy, how people are spending their money. We've also got the EU CPI inflation, as I mentioned, so that expectation is 2.2, so slightly ahead of the 2% ECB target, but only slightly. And again, the interesting thing there will be seeing how long-winded this is. This is the start of the inflation. Inflation in Europe being slightly more than expected, we've obviously waited a long time for this, so we'll see whether that continues. Similar in the UK, we're looking
0: at a print of around two point three percent. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lorna.